Hey friends, welcome back to the Writerly Lifestyle Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Dave, and on this channel, we explore the strategies and tools that help writers and creatives live happier, richer, and more productive lives. We're here to prove that creative careers are more than hobbies and that making a good living isn't just possible, it's probable. We're going to do this through interviews, tutorials, podcasts, and more. So if any of that interests you, I'd love for you to hit the subscribe button and join the Writerly Lifestyle community. It goes a long way to supporting this channel and ensures you won't miss out on any of this great content. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to part one of this two-part interview. Today, I'm going to be talking to Amy Elizabeth Bishop. She is a literary agent at Distel, Godrich, and Barrett Literary Agency. She joined them in 2015 after interning for them in 2014. At DGNB, she's cultivating a wide-ranging list in literary and upmarket fiction, expert-driven narrative nonfiction, and select YA with a special interest in BIPOC authors. Her list includes titles such as The Last Story of Mina Lee by Nancy Ju Yoon Kim, a Reese's Book Club selection and New York Times bestseller, The Silence of Bones by June Her, a Junior Library Guild selection and Edgar Award nominee, and Living Brave by Shannon Dingle, published in summer 2021. Before diving into the world of publishing, she graduated from SUNY Geneseo with a degree in creative writing. Though she grew up upstate, she currently resides in Astoria, Queens. You can find her on Twitter at, at Amy Liz Bishop. In part one of this interview, we're going to be talking about day-to-day life as a literary agent, post-pandemic publishing, and how to get started in the publishing world. If you ever thought about a career in publishing or just wanted to understand the ins and outs of literary agencies, this is going to be a valuable listen for you. All right, let's get to it. Amy, thanks so much for for coming on. Like I mentioned before we started recording, I I really think that there's going to be a lot of great information for people who first want to submit to you and second who want to be literary agents. So I'm really excited about this conversation. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Like this is, I love doing these kinds of talks and it's fun to just, people have such good questions and it's just fun to get out there a little bit too. Yeah, good. So I, it's funny. I actually, just to get a little bit of background on you, I listened to your Manuscript Academy podcast that you did at the start of quarantine. Oh my God, that's right. And it was, it like totally brought me back to that time. I think you were like a week into quarantine. Yeah, I haven't listened back and I now I'm like maybe yeah, maybe I need to because oof. It was it was yeah, it was so funny to hear because like even the hosts were like talking about like, oh, you know, this time will be so interesting. And I was like, they have no idea what's about to <laughs> No yeah. Oh my god. Time capsule. Yeah, big time. Uh so I'm what is the publishing world like now? I mean, are you back in the office at all? Are you still at home? Actually, like, was racing back from the office to get nice. back to my desk here. Um, but we are officially starting back in the office uh, mid-September. So I think the 14th is our first week back, and we're doing a more hybrid situation. So I'll be in three days of the week and then working from home two days of the week. Um, but I, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with the Delta variant and how the fall goes. But tentatively, the idea is that we are back in and, and operating. I know a lot of the big publishers are coming back in the fall. People, I think, are starting to venture back out a little bit more. But yeah, I, I keep hearing I have a I, so I'm a teacher, but my I have friends in, in finance and they specifically I mean, they're talking about not going back. A lot of them are talking about not going back at all. I mean, do you have a sense of publishing? I mean, are you going to Are they going to stick with a hybrid model? I think a lot of people are going to do hybrid. Um, You know, I know Harper and 
maybe even Macmillan are doing like hot desking. So people, like no one's an assigned desk, you know, people are kind of coming in and out as they choose. I know there's been some places where it's been offered. If you commit to being in five, like maybe it's four or five days a week, you will get an assigned desk. Okay. But like three days or under, you're kind of going to be floating. I know some people just kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, like packed up and like left the city completely with no plans mm-hmm. to really return. So, I mean... I think people are going to have to keep it more hybrid because yeah. folks are like, yeah, I'm in Texas now, but I'm not coming back, you know? So. <laughs> I'm curious too, as like, as the kind of tail end of COVID, hopefully, do Fingers you, <laughs> yeah, right. Did you, when you look back, did you see like a slowdown in acquisitions over the last year and a half? I mean, has it been rising since then or is it kind of steady? We saw, there was maybe a little bit of a slump in like, late March, early April, as we kind of all figured out what's right. going on and we're, you know, dealing with, I feel like the, the trauma of everything happening and kind of realizing that we were in this long haul. And then things kind of picked up and accelerated. And I think part of it probably was that publishers were assuring us right and left that, you know, business as usual, we were not slowing down, the doors were staying open. And I think a lot of people threw themselves kind of into work as an escape, you know, to some degree, our jobs are so flexible in terms of being able to shift, at least in terms of editorial and agenting. I know Mm -hmm. like art and and I think contracts had a little bit of a harder time. Okay. But, you know, for our jobs, we we were kind of able, able to just go full throttle in. And I think people were just so desperate to pretend like something was normal Um, and people were escaping in the books and there's a lot of excitement about that. So it was a very busy year. I mean, for the agency, our agency did really well last year um, in terms of sales and I feel like nothing has really slowed down and we've just all been full speed ahead. That's good. I'm, I keep hearing that about the book industry, that it's it's fine, like they kind of powered through, that nobody was really missing a beat. I, I, I just wonder, I mean, was that, is that like the nature of the work that you're in that you're able to communicate you've kind of been communicating uh online with agents and editors like you're not doing a lot of physical meetings i mean or, or were you before and, and not as much now before the pandemic i was out with editors two to three times a week usually you know at lunches or drinks so it is a very social industry but we shifted to zoom which i mean there's been a variety of like i love this i hate this you know about those kinds of meetings. Like I have been to a couple editor lunches in person and it's really nice. Like it's really nice to go have lunch with somebody and like have a nice meal and talk to them about books. And I do kind of miss that element. Obviously in April of 2020, no one was interested in that, including me. Um, But I think there is sort of an element of social, it's it's, it's a people industry. I mean, so much of it is the connections you make and the people you know and the connections you forge with editors and authors. So. I think to some degree that kind of social element can't go away entirely, although we've been kind of moving along. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, even before the pandemic, I haven't met probably 80% of my authors, you know, because they lived in California or Nebraska or, you know, wherever they hail from. So it's not unusual for us to have been kind of corresponding electronically before this either. All right. So I actually, I want to backtrack a little bit and let's talk about the beginning. Uh, let's talk about how you got uh, interested in the publishing world. I mean, I read your bio on the agency. It seems like you were always kind of a, a bookish kid. Did you always know you wanted to work with books? No. I mean, I always liked writing and I wrote a lot as a kid and I thought I was going to be a writer. Kind of grew up with that. I was always writing something. I majored in English in college, which is unsurprising to everyone. And I feel like it's also unsurprising to everybody who works in publishing. I feel like that's just what you do with a few notable outliers. But I 
didn't really know about publishing that I wanted to do publishing until probably like my junior year of college. Actually, I knew that I didn't want to go for my, my MFA around junior year. I saw a lot of my friends who were much more serious about writing than I was start applying, talking about their you know mission statements, and I was like, well, I just figured I'd always do a master's program, which did not seem like a good enough reason to do an MFA program. <laughs> and so apart from drawing a blank on like that mission statement, I was like, well, it would be nice to make some money too, um, you know, at least a little bit. And I started kind of thinking about what I could do with an English degree. Mm. And I knew I didn't want to teach. I just like wasn't really cut out for that. And I was sort of like, well, what else can you do with an English degree? And I was like, hmm, books, publishing. Like, I like books. That sounds cool. And so I started just talking to everybody I knew about it and being like, do you know anybody? What are my steps to get there? And um, I happened to be working at college advancement um, in, at my college at the time. It's like a part-time job. And it, one of the ladies on the board was like, oh, I have a friend who works in publishing. She's an agent at Curtis Brown. You should talk to her. I'll like set you up. So we had like an informational interview. Um, she's since left Curtis Brown, but she talked to me very kindly for you know half an hour, 45 minutes about agenting and publishing. And I never thought about agenting. I knew about agents because I had queried a terrible book, like my 15-year-old self wrote that is somewhere on like a floppy disk. So I knew about agents, but I hadn't thought about them in the context of like a job, right? Like mm. this is a career somebody could have. And so I was fascinated and I thought, wow, like this sounds like a job that I would be good at and interested in and caters to my strength. And so when I applied internships that summer, going into my senior year, I applied to agencies as well as publishing houses. And I was lucky enough to get this one with Distal. So that was the summer of 2014. And I loved it. I came away from the internship at the end of the summer feeling like I had learned so much and thinking what a great group of people to work with. And this is also something I really want to do. So then 2015 came around, I graduated, I moved to the city with my boyfriend and he, he, he'd grown up here and, um, I did food service for three months in fine dining in the West Village Wow! and applied to jobs and like waited and was still like, I'm unemployed. Like someone hire me <laughs> and kind of hung around just still as well. So, you know, I, I was reading for a couple agents there, kind of kept my foot in the door. And eventually a call came through in July and they were like, we're opening up a new position. Do you want to come in for it? It's not directly books related, but it's in the agency. This is sort of like my dream job. So I was like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> um, the position itself was the financials and subsidiary rights assistant. Um, and I was like, oh, they want me to work with money? Okay, sure. Okay. And, but, you know, I got the job. As, as every English major dreams of, right? <laughs> right. I know. I was like, oh, great. But, you know, like, it was like where I wanted to be. And I was like, nice. it's my, you know, it's been, it'd been three months of sort of sending out resumes into like black hole. Mm. And I was like, I'll take it. Okay. I want to pause here because Amy shares something that I think is really important to consider. She spent months sending out resumes as a qualified and quality candidate, and still she had to wait until something opened up for her. I think sometimes writers think about the query process as, am I a good writer or not? And a rejection means you're not, and an acceptance means that you are. But I think sometimes success and failure in the query trenches has more to do with what's open for a particular agent. Do they already have a book or author that produces the same kind of work that you do? In that way, a rejection for a query can be much more like a rejection based on a resume and cover letter. It's not that you're not good. It's just that they're not looking for someone with your particular set of skills right now. But like Amy, 
If you wait it out long enough and keep pushing through, you'll land the job you always wanted. Or in your case, hopefully the agent you've always wanted. For the rest of this interview, listen to how Amy structures her days, her downtime and work-life balance. And think about how you organize your own life and work. Do you have the right balance? Because that can sometimes be the difference between success and failure. So let's head back to the interview. And got a job and then, you know, three months into that, Jane's assistant at the time left to just pursue other things. And Jane asked me to be her assistant. And then I did that for like five, five and a half years. And then I just mm. this January moved into like a different position in the agency that gives me more time to focus on my own list. Nice. I mean, what was it what was it like working with Jane Distal? She's like a she's like a publishing legend. She is a legend. Um, she is just yeah, like I feel like legend is the best way to describe her. <laughs> she's absolutely ferocious in her, you know, defense of her authors and like in their interests. Um, it was actually really I always say like, you know, it's the best job to do if you want an agent because I saw everything. I saw, I saw her whole process. Like she's so meticulous, like detail oriented. And I feel like I learned really good strategies and good processes from just watching her do it and do it day in, day out. And I feel like she just is so in some ways like casual about the brilliant people she works with and not that she takes them for granted, but that she's just, she's, she can see a good idea and hone in on it and be like, this is a book you have to write. Like, I don't know if you knew this, but she represented Barack Obama's first book. Oh, I didn't know that. And she wrote to him when he was, um, when she saw his, you know, article about being the first black president of the Harvard Law Review and was like, you have a book, you know, I'd like to talk to you about a book. Um, And that was that. And she's just got this amazing eye. And so when I say she's so casual about the talent she works with, it's just because she sees it and she goes after it. And like, She's worked with all these luminaries and it's just part of, you know, her day. That's awesome. If, if there was one thing that you learned from Jane Distel that you could share, what do you think it would be? It's a great question. I would say it's maybe not like a specific lesson, but it's more just sort of like you work in the service of your clients and like their best interests. And if people get mad at you about that, that's not your problem. Like your clients come first and always come first. And so you're going to ruffle some feathers sometimes, but like that's, you know, you want to be courteous and polite at, at all times if possible, but you can't be faulted for doing what is in the best interest of your client. That's all. She sounds fierce. Um. She is fierce. <laughs> she is. So for, for young people interested in landing an internship in, in publishing, I mean, it sounds like you had a little bit of an in and that you got to talk to somebody from, from publishing. I mean, is that what you recommend is just talking to people who are in the industry and kind yeah, it is such like a interconnected industry in that mm-hmm. way too. The agent I talked to at Curtis Brown like couldn't really help me get in anywhere, okay. but she helped me kind of set up just like a, a better sense of the industry, I guess. I think having prior editorial experience to some degree can be helpful. You know, whether it's like working on like on a lit mag or like reading or something, just like stuff to show what you you're interested in books you've been or literature you've been working with that kind of thing. But I will also say that if you want to get a job in publishing down the line, like. This used to be the case. I'm not sure it is anymore, but the old wisdom used to be you need New York experience to get a New York publishing job. I, again, because of the pandemic, I don't know how true that is anymore. Um, a lot of different avenues have opened up, but, um, you know, looking on bookjobs.com is where actually I found the distal internship. Oh, we wow. advertise there still for our internship. There's, you know, publishers marketplace. Also, one weird thing that is helpful is having office experience, like, administrative experience that's also helpful when you're looking for a job because if you start out as an agency assistant or an editorial assistant so much of your job 
is less about like headhunting and finding talent and so much about supporting your boss and doing a lot of like, you know, can you write a professional email? Can you find stuff I need found? You know, can you find contact information? It's very office things. And so having had four years of training at College Advancement was really helpful. Oh, wow. That's great. So is that is that the route most people go? I mean, are they interning in summers before, maybe even before graduating or after, and then assisting and working their way up? It seems like that's the most common. Yeah, I feel like that's most typical, mostly too, because there's so many different facets of publishing that I think it's a good way to sort of figure out what you like and what you might be good at and what interests you the most. Like some people have done agency work and been like, yeah, that's not for me. Right. You know, where people have been at, you know, an editorial assisting and been like, yeah, I it's too it's too structured or whatever i think that's generally like internships kind of are that pipeline i know people have also done the different publishing courses there's one in denver there's one in columbia nyu i know you know people of color and publishing has been a big mentorship and we we need diverse books similarly so there's a few more pipelines i think but internships are just i think helpful in giving you the experience like kind of boots in the ground do you hear of people moving careers into publishing later in life or is that is it mostly people who have been there since the beginning. I'm just thinking of people who are maybe listening to this and thinking like, I need a career change. I'm ready to make a career change. I love books. I want to get into publishing, but I'm not you know, 22 years old. Like what is, do you hear any of that? I feel like the last couple of years, there were a lot of changes. A lot of people segued in from magazine publishing or brought in as editors. I think it's hard if you don't have book or media experience on your resume to some degree. And I think the other problem is a lot of internships really are geared towards students. Like if, you know, someone who is, you know, 35 or 40 came and like wanted to do our internship, I'd be like, I don't think you do. Like, you know, like you just have, they have so much more experience. Like it's, it's, it's really, it is like entry level work. Right. I think it can be tricky, but I'm sure you know, there's always ways in. And Interesting. Uh, I know agents sometimes moonlight as like editors or is that something that you do as well? I mean, is that common or is it now where you kind of shift to fully focused on on your agency? I feel, oh, do you mean like freelance work? Or... Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, publishing is getting better, but it does not pay a lot. So, you know, to some degree, I think people are picking up side gigs to just kind of make ends meet. And just a kind of get a sense I know you probably don't have a traditional or typical day but but what is what is your morning I mean is there a day that's typical for you and what do you normally do in the mornings and the afternoons is there is there something that you can share that might give people a sense of what it's like to be a a literary agent there definitely is no set (laughs) day it's kind of all different like I had a nice little to-do list on my notepad today of stuff I wanted to get done. And I got maybe mm. two things out of that list. <laughs> but I was working all day, so I'm not really sure what yeah, happened. Right. <laughs> but I, for me personally, you know, I like to try to do my more like thinky tasks during the morning when I'm freshest. So if I'm betting a contract or writing up an edit memo or sending a more detailed rejection note or more organizational brainier things, I try to do those in the morning. Um, otherwise, I'm just toast by afternoon makes sense yeah (laughs) um afternoon i like to try to do a little bit more reading if possible you know the the thing i think the biggest myth is that you know we spent all our days reading and so people are like why haven't they gone back to me yet about you know my query that i sent two weeks ago and it's the truth is that we do a lot of our reading at night and on the weekends when we our computers are shut most of my day is spent on email answering important questions having phone calls you know brainstorming talking to editors 
taking other meetings um, and you know, dealing with any agency admin kind of things. So my reading doesn't really happen until I can shut one screen and open another. Right. <laughs> um, and so, and then, you know, of course you're trying to fit like a life in around that. That can be a little bit tricky, but you know, in an optimal day, if things are not, you know, on fire and there's no emergencies, I like to try to do a little bit of reading around, you know, three or four, but it doesn't always happen. Today did not happen. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> And are you getting, I mean, how many queries are you getting per day? Is it, is it, it's, it sounds like at times it's astronomical for, for literary agents. So I actually just started doing query manager, which has been delightful. And it, I get this question a lot and I didn't have any good answer for anybody because I didn't have stats and I wasn't going to go like count up, but it actually has query manager compile stats for you, oh. which is really nice. The month of August, it looks like I've gotten 219 queries. Wow. Um, and August is supposed to be a slow month. Like, who actually knows? Uh, and that's just unsolicited. That's not stuff that, um, like, that was, that's not referrals. That's not conference stuff. That's just unsolicited work. Unbelievable. And, how, I mean, do you have a sense of how many of those are you asking for more materials? Or how, Query manager tells me now. Um, <laughs> it looks like I asked for eight projects this month wow. from Query Manager. I've turned down 145, and I have about 66 I have to Unbelievable. I, it sounds like a... So it's a numbers game. <laughs> as a, yeah, right? As an English teacher, I, I often say, like, I... I, you know, I talk to math teachers all the time and they're like, oh yeah, like I'm done with grading. I'm, like, I'm never done. There's always a pile of papers somewhere on my desk. It sounds like it's the yeah. same kind of thing. There's always something you can be doing. It's got to be hard oh, to yeah. turn it off. I feel like if I'm two weeks behind in my reading, I'm like caught up. I'm like, wow, like I am good to go. Um, you know, I will say this year has been a challenge in terms of reading for fun because I, every time I've sat down, I've been like, oh God, but I have all of these manuscripts I have to read or you know, edits I have to do. And yet yeah, that stack is also not counting client material that I have to read and comment on too. So, um, wow. yeah, it's, it, I don't know. You kind of, you, it, it varies too, right? Like there are times I will work like an absolute demon, you know, straight through and mm. like, you know clear the ducks and there's weeks where I'm like, I just need to take a break. How do you find the time to turn it off? Where do you make boundaries? Is there timing? Do you set an alarm for yourself or you just keep powering through? The boundary shift, you know, I think we're getting into the busy season in mm -hmm. fall. So I feel like I'm going to have no boundaries for a little bit. If I'm, if I'm feeling very overwhelmed, I try to like do a lot more and read a lot faster because I'm like, mm -hmm. ah, I have to, you know, I have all this stuff right. that has to get done. Um, you know, in the slower months, I feel like I can take it a little bit easier. No, there's really slow months, but slower months. I don't know. It kind of, it just ebbs and flows, I think. I feel it depends on how, what other things are going on in my life. Like this weekend, it was really, like, really cute. I said to an author who was my author, I was like, oh yeah, I'll try to read over the weekend. I, I moved this weekend. Oh, and I wow. was like, it didn't happen. I'm still reading it. Um, I did not look at one page of that <laughs> over the weekend. You know, so, that, you know, obviously the next, like, week, I've just been great, like, <laughs> oh, I can't do anything because I'm exhausted. So, um, yeah, that kind of impacts yeah. stuff too. But I try to get back to people yeah. in a timely fashion and with varying degrees of success. <laughs> Life stuff happens all the time, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, and that's it for part one. In the next part of this interview, Amy and I will be talking about what she is looking for now, why it's helpful to go with newer agents, trends in publishing, Twitter pitch parties, and Amy's top tip for writers. Be sure to check that out next week.